Yes, hello everyone, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I think in Australia it's evening, it's like people are going to bed, they might turn on the Mystic Show, <laughs> listen in. So welcome to the Mystic Show, my name is Chris Curran, and I'm happy to be here this morning. We've got some great stuff to talk about, and um, our website is themysticshow.net. TheMysticShow.net And this is the show where we talk all about spirituality and mindfulness And a lot of personal development as well These are the uh, the unseen and otherworldly topics in our life that mean so much And uh, we just don't very often get around to talking about it I mean really, we're so... Worried about uh, feeding ourselves and clothing ourselves and putting a roof over our head and doing all the other daily tasks we need to do. And we forget a lot about uh, our soul, our spirit, our spiritual growth, what's going to happen when we die, right? I think that's the, that's got to be the one question that. Um, urges people to maybe get on the spiritual path, right? Because at some point, each of us is gonna die, and then we have what? What? What then? So, a lot of the uh, mystics say that. Um, well, they say a lot about life after death, and uh, all the near-death experience folks have also said a lot about that. So. We love talking about the unseen and otherworldly, but we also like to make it really practical, right? We want to know, what can we do today? What changes can we make? What techniques can we use in our lives right now to become more divinized, to become more uh, integral, or have more integrity. Is that a, is that a, <laughs> is that grammatically correct? The way I use the word integral, I'm not sure. Well, you get it. Having integrity, being whole, right? Because that's what integrity is: being one, being one thing, not being you know eight things and acting different here, and then you go there and you act different, and then you say this over here, you go over there, you say something different. Integrity is being one. And uh, so this is a great adventure. Um, quickly mention that on the website, you can find our phone number, our Skype handle, and all of our previous shows, all the archived episodes are on our website. And, uh, and also, by the way, you can also, our podcast, the archived podcasts are also on iTunes and Stitcher. I don't mention that very often, but if you like iTunes or Stitcher, all our shows are on there as well. So I started this show about three months ago. We're about to have our three-month uh, anniversary. And I started it because this conversation is very important. As I just mentioned, it's very important and we don't often have it. In my life, I mean, I grew up in a family, uh, Catholic family, not super religious, but we went to Sunday school and you know, we went to Sunday Mass and everything, and it was good. 
it's good to learn and good to hear about Jesus and the stories and right. It's all good because whatever, whoever Jesus was, whatever he was, um, it's definitely inspirational and, uh, and, and we can learn a lot from it. And, uh, I kind of did. I mentioned before in eighth grade, I had a Sunday school teacher named Mike. He really influenced my life actually the way he was talking about the Bible and learning and the parables of Jesus and everything. Um, and then in high school, I kind of went off the deep end and just had a lot of fun. But in my mid-20s, I started, or maybe even earlier, early 20s, or maybe, no, I think I was 19 when I worked at that TCBY and I read the book uh, Communion, which was about... Uh, Whitley Strieber wrote this book and he claims he was visited by aliens, um, the greys with the, the big eyes and everything. And it was a great book, whether it's true or not, who knows. Um, but it was a great book and that was the first book I read and I said, wow, books are cool. So then I started reading all that kind of stuff, aliens and space and the universe and then I got into a little more science and math and uh, chess, all kinds of cool stuff. But I was always seeking, like, what what is this life really about? I mean, life is so. I sometimes I think at the at when when it's finally our time to die, each of us individually, um, is it going to be like birth? Like no one remembers when they were born. Like you you. I think before the age of like two, no one has any memories, really. And I always wondered, is death going to be the same way that like when you get, when you get close to death, are you going to just not remember anything or I don't know, blank out or I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, I heard someone on Skype might have been calling, but um, I don't see it. So anyhow, um... It was quite a while before I got on the actual spiritual path, right? Which means that I actually did something. I started meditation, learning meditation. I learned, started learning a simplified form of Raja Yoga, which is the king of yogas. And um, it has to do nothing with postures and stretching and the body. It's all about the mind. And the mind, of course, being the instrument that can help us the most or hurt us the most. It's been said, I think, in the Vedas that the mind is the only thing that can bring you to your destination, but it's also the thing that can uh, basically ruin your journey, bring you further away from your destination. So the mind is kind of where it's at. Um, it's kind of like the knot between spirit and matter. The mind is like in the middle somewhere. Anyhow, practical meditation for me was the game changer because when I actually learned how to meditate and got rid of all the nonsensical preconceptions that people have, like that, oh, you're supposed to sit down and immediately be thoughtless. Oh yeah, good luck with that. 
you know, and it's crazy. People try meditation. They're like, oh, I had so many thoughts. I'm not able to meditate. And it's like, well, what did you expect? You know, the first time you got into a car to drive a car, did you know what all the buttons and levers did? Did you immediately put your seatbelt on and put it in reverse and zoom out of the driveway and change lanes and get on the highway? Did you do all that the first time you drove? I mean, come on. The first time you got in a car, you looked at the dashboard and you were like, oh my God, what is all this stuff? These buttons and gauges and, (laughs) you know, even the radio, you look at the radio, all the buttons on the radio, you don't know how to do anything. So anyhow, I'm, I'm happy I found a system of meditation. That's the Sahaj Marg system that actually brings you from that, um, ignorant state of with all the negative preconceptions about meditation. And it teaches how to actually meditate and build it into your life. Very simple, very practical. Anyway, that, as I said, was the game changer for me. And I, well, my whole life changed over a period of years. It didn't happen immediately. And uh, so anyhow, that experience the reason I'm telling you all this and my whole you know a brief brief overview of my experience is that um that's the reason that this show came about because whatever level you're on whatever and I shouldn't even say level what wherever you are right now um you're on the path you're on your path and there's a lot of different topics that may interest you and a lot of uh, experience and knowledge that you might want to be exposed to, and that stuff helps you. Because the more perspective you have, you know, the more great classic quotes that you hear, the better. Because you hear these quotes and you're like, wow, that is so true. And it somehow penetrates deeper into yourself and and that connection between the this material world and your higher self becomes strengthened a little bit and of course it's not all about quotes right i mean we have to meditate and do something um but all that stuff helps it just helps you know it reinforces um and that's why again why we're doing the show so, I mean, I'm sharing a lot of my experience on the show and I'm, you know, we're reading from some great books. Um, but certainly your journey, your experience is important, um, you know, mostly to you, but to others as well, because that's how we learn. That's how we talk and we, we talk about this stuff and we have to learn about this stuff, um, Mostly to break out of our old habits, actually. You know, a lot a lot of the knowledge and information we're talking about and discussing, you know, from the highest level, it's not quite necessary. But from a medium level, which is kind of where we all are, right? We could think of ourselves on a somewhere in the middle. It is necessary to hear these things, to read these things, to get reinforced, to to make new habits. So making new habits is is what it's all about. So um, 
Yeah, so, you know, again, you can share your experience. You can send us a note through the website. You can call up or, or you know, um, you can call on Skype and uh, share your experience. But keep in mind that what your, what your experience has been can actually help other people. And that doesn't mean we have to become teachers and preachers and, and start screaming at people, you know, standing on a, a milk crate with a bullhorn. We don't have to do that. Just in a natural way, you share your experience. You talk about these, these higher values and these, these spiritual topics. That's why at the end of most shows, I encourage you to maybe find someone at work or in your family. And just start talking about this stuff. Just bring it up. See, it's the conversation that's important. And it's important for two reasons. It helps you learn new things, right? And bond with other people who are of like-minded. But it also, in, instead of talking about the gossip and the nonsense, it, it, it basically prevents you from talking about the gossip and the nonsense. Because we don't, we shouldn't spend too much time on the gossip and the nonsense. We can spend a little because, you know, we need a distraction sometimes, right? And we have to live in the world we live in, right? So we can't shut ourselves off completely, but, but we can bring in this conversation. And that's what the mystic show is all about. You are a mystic in training and we all are mystics in training. So, um... I'm I'm happy to be here, happy to to be involved in this conversation myself, and I'm still learning a ton as we go. This has been such a such a wonderful experience for me hosting this show and preparing material and and learning and um I'm really happy to do it. And uh so let's take a quick break, then we're going to come back and start um finish that section of our of our new book, Your Invisible Power. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to the Mystic Show. <laughs> yes, that's from an album called Ambient Egypt, and it was made by Douglas Irvine. Very cool album of just Egyptian, you know, instrumental music like that. And as I mentioned before, he some of those instruments are literally thousands of years old. They recovered these instruments from some of these 
tombs or somewhere and um they actually play some of those instruments on there so so welcome back our website is themysticshow.net you can find uh our phone number our skype handle and all of our previous episodes and also links to our social media etc all kinds of cool stuff on the website check it out um yeah so let's get right into it uh we're reading from this great book called Your Invisible Power by Genevieve B. Rend. It was published in 1921, and it's all about visualization and manifestation as well. So she talks a lot about the power of visualization, the power that each human being has, and how we can use it to create results in our lives that we want. I mean, I think we all have we all have results that we'd like to create. I mean, obviously, you need to have enough money to buy food to eat. And, um, you know, and for instance, me, I want to have, I, I want to do a radio show called The Mystic Show. So I need to do that. Um, or at least I feel like I need to do that. So we all want to create things and do things and we have to, you know, have a place to live. And so... Again, she's talking mostly about material things, you know, manifesting money or things. But keep in mind, you can manifest, you know, spiritual conditions as well and spiritual growth and and a lot of things about your character as well. So you can you can use this visualization to become someone better, someone more powerful, someone more uh in control of themselves and someone who loves more shares more everything right become who you want to become and so that's visualiz- visualization is is very powerful and that's what we're learning and this is i mean i know you guys are liking this i've heard some feedback from you guys that it's just amazing um so let's get let's f- get back into this section uh we read half of it yesterday this little passage It's called Operation of Your Mental Picture. Operation of Your Mental Picture. And we'll just continue where we were yesterday. Here we go. The more enthusiasm and faith you are able to put into your picture, the more quickly it will come into visible form. And your enthusiasm is increased by keeping your desire secret. The moment you speak it to any living soul, that moment your power is weakened. Your power, your magnet of attraction, is not so strong and consequently cannot reach so far. The more perfectly a secret between your mind and outer self is guarded, the more vitality you give your power of attraction. One tells one's troubles to weaken them, to get them off one's mind. And when a thought is given out, its power is dissipated. 
talk it over with yourself and even write it down and at once destroy the paper. However, this does not mean that you should strenuously endeavor to compel the power to work out your picture on the special lines that you think it should. That method would soon exhaust you and hinder the fulfillment of your purpose. A wealthy relative need not necessarily die or someone lose a fortune on the street to materialize the $10,000 that you are mentally picturing. One of the doormen in the building in which I live heard much of the mental picturing of desires from visitors passing out of my rooms. The average desire was for $500. He considered that $5 was more in his line and began to visualize it. Without the slightest idea of where or how he was to get it. My parrot flew out of the window and I telephoned to the men in the courtyard to get it for me. One caught it and it bit him on the finger. The doorman, who had gloves on and did not fear a similar hurt, took hold of it and brought it up to me. I gave him five $1 bills for the service. This sudden reward surprised him. He enthusiastically told me that he had been visualizing for just $5, merely from hearing that others visualized. He was delighted at the unexpected realization of his mental picture. All you have to do is to make such a mental picture of your heart's desire, hold it cheerfully in place with your will, always conscious that the same infinite power which brought the universe into existence brought you into form for the purpose of enjoying itself in and through you. And since it is all life, love, light, power, peace, beauty, and joy, and is the only creative power there is, the form it takes in and through you depends upon the direction given it by your thought indicator. In you, it is undifferentiated, waiting to take any direction given it as it passes through the instrument that it has made for the purpose of self-distribution. It is this power which enables you to transfer your thoughts from one form to another. The power to change your mind is the individualized universal power taking the initiative, 
giving direction to the fluent substance contained in every thought. It is the simplest thing in the world to give this highly sensitive plastic substance any form you will through visualizing. Anyone can do it with a small expenditure of effort. Once you really believe that your mind is a center through which the plastic substance of all there is in your world takes involuntary form, the only reason why your picture does not always materialize is because you have introduced something antagonistic to the fundamental principle. Very often, this destructive element is caused by the frequency with which you change your pictures. After many such changes, you decide that your original desire is what you want after all. Upon this conclusion, you begin to wonder why, being your first picture, it hasn't materialized. The plastic substance with which you are mentally dealing is more sensitive than the most sensitive photographer's film. If, in taking a picture, you suddenly remembered you had already taken a picture on that same plate, you would not expect a perfect result of either picture. On the other hand, you may have taken two pictures on the same plate unconsciously. When the plate has been developed and the picture comes into physical view, you do not condemn the principle of photography, nor are you puzzled to understand why your picture has turned out so unsatisfactorily. You do not feel that it is impossible for you to obtain a good, clear picture of the subject in question. You know that you can do so by simply starting at the beginning, putting in a new plate, and determining to be more careful while taking your picture next time. These lines followed out, you are sure of a satisfactory result. If you will proceed in the same manner with your mental picture, doing your part in a correspondingly confident frame of mind, the result will be just as perfect. The laws of visualizing are as infallible as the laws governing photography. In fact, photography is the outcome of visualizing. Again, your result in visualizing and your desires may be imperfect or delayed through the misuse of this power. Owing to the thought that the fulfillment of your desire is contingent upon certain persons or conditions. The original principle 
is not in any way dependent upon any person, place, or thing. It has no past and knows no future. The law is that the originating creative principle of life is the universal here and everlasting now. It creates its own vehicle through which to operate. Therefore, past experience has no bearing upon your present picture. So do not try to obtain your desire through a channel that may not be natural for it, even though it may seem reasonable to you. Your feeling should be that the thing, or the consciousness which you so much desire, is normal and natural, a part of yourself, a form for your evolution. If you can do this, there is no power to prevent your enjoying the fulfillment of the picture you have in hand or any other. So that's it for that reading. We'll just take a quick break here and uh, we'll be right back. Thank you to Anya for that song, which again, I cannot pronounce the title of it, Uh, but thanks to Anya. And welcome back to The Mystic Show. Our website is themysticshow.net. You can find out everything there. Our phone number, Skype handle, previous episodes, recipes. No, there's actually, there's no recipes there. Um, But yeah, everything else you can find there. And... uh, yeah, so that was, uh, the, we finished that section called um, Operation of Your Mental Picture. And it really, this one was, you know, really had an effect on me. And I actually want to reach over the table and grab a little note I made after I, after I read that section this morning. Because it, it what really affected me is how it, it's a, it's, a universal principle we're dealing with here when we talk about visualization, when we talk about the power of our individual mind, it's a principle that always works. Like, it's a process that 
if you do it properly, it always works. And the only reason it doesn't work is because we don't do it properly. So, you know, this is what I wrote down after I read that. Um, And we're going to talk about some of the points, but I wrote, somehow I've been blocking my visions from becoming real. And then, uh, then I wrote like a little affirmation here. I release all blockages and allow the universe to create my vision in physical reality. Anyway, that's a little affirmation I wrote. Um, okay, so she mentions keeping your desire a secret. Did you catch that in the beginning? She says, oh, you should keep your desire a secret. Don't tell anyone because when you talk about it or tell anyone, it reduces the power. Right? Now, you're going to have to think about this because there's plenty of uh, self-help coaches out there, life coaches and everybody, business coaches, and they say, a lot of them say, that you should create your goals, create your vision, and and that you should tell everyone you know. And by telling everyone you know, then when you know that they know what your goal is, then you're more um, inspired to achieve it. Because if you don't achieve it, everyone's going to know that you didn't achieve it. It's almost like if if you think about losing weight. Let's say you want to lose 20 pounds. And if you don't tell anybody, it seems that it it would be easy to, um, you know, after a day or two, just forget about it and say, eh, I don't care. I don't want to lose 20 pounds. And no one would know. And you're not really held accountable. It does make sense if you tell everyone you know, hey, in the next month, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And then every time they see you, they're going to ask you, how's it going? And, you know, they're going to say, how much did you lose so far? It seems like telling others would help hold you accountable. And maybe in some circumstances, maybe it does. But what Genevieve Berend is telling us is that we should keep our vision a secret and don't tell anybody. And of course, keep keep visualizing to ourselves. I guess that's the important part. Um, she also mentioned not forcing the creative power to work to work out your picture on the sp- specific lines that you think it should. And this is a big one, right? This is like, you know, because of our intellect, because of our ego, and we all do this, right? We all do. I mean, I know I do this all the time. We 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 think we know how this vision is going to materialize. You know, for instance, for a business, for me and my business. Well, I think, well, if I hire this person and if I put up a website for this reason, then I'm going to achieve my goal. And of course, in business, you have to do a little strategic thinking and stuff. But in general, we're talking big picture vision here for your life. We really don't know how it's going to come into creation. And if we try to force it in a certain way, and it's not meant to be, it's it's going to be ugly. <laughs> not going to be pretty. And it's going to lead to frustration. I did this with a previous business. I 
I was so focused and so adamant about doing certain things that and it ended up not working really. I mean, it worked a little, but not like I wanted it to. And um, it was very frustrating. Oh my goodness. So she's saying that we need to basically let the universe do the work. Let it unfold the way the universe wants to unfold it. Now, we're going to have to put in some effort, right? And we are going to have to do some work, right? Because we're the instrument. We're the physical body instrument to, to do some of the work. But the way that it unfolds and the way that it manifests is... um, I mean, and it's not bad to have a plan. We can have a plan. But if things change, if the plan doesn't work, if if surprises come up, you know, coincidences, synchronicities, right? Serendipity. We have to be open for all these things. We have to be open enough that when a coincidence or a, or a, or a serendipitous moment happens, it that might be part of the plan. And if we reject that coincidence or that serendipitous circumstance, if we say, no, that's not part of my plan, I don't need it, and we we brush it away, that's, you know, a lot of times when those things come into our lives, it's the universe trying to help us create what we want. In fact, it's always the universe. Who else is it? <laughs> so that's a, that's a great point. Also, and this idea that she says, why, why don't our visions, well, she said, basically, what hinders our vision from becoming real? Um, I can't, I can't find where she said it, but basically what is the thing that's stopping our vision from becoming real? And basically she says, it's the fact that we change our pictures so much. You know, we might have a vision of our goal, but then the next minute we have a vision of failure. The next minute we have a vision of uh, pizza. The next minute we have vision of uh, doing a radio show. The next minute we're thinking about our car. The next minute we're thinking about a vacation to Alaska. And then maybe the next one we come back to our vision of our goal for a minute. And then the next thing we think of failure, we think of the reasons why we can't do it. And when we change pictures like this, it messes up. It kind of confuses the universe. The universe doesn't really know what we want. So it really doesn't give us much of anything. So this totally underscores the um, the need for meditation because we kind of have to get a handle on our own mind. We can't let our mind just run wild. We have to kind of bring it down to a normal level, regulate our mind so we can have a little bit more control over what we envision. Makes sense to me. And the last point that I really liked was that the fulfillment of your desire is not contingent on a certain person, place, or thing. You know, a lot of times, again, it's our ego and our intellect that thinks, oh, this person, I need this person to be my partner in business in order to achieve my vision. 
And if that person steps away or says, no, I'm, I'm quitting the business or I'm leaving the business, we think, oh my God, that's it. I'm never going to achieve my vision. No, not true. Your vision can come into reality in so many different ways. And for us to think that it's contingent upon one person or one thing or one material possession It's not true. It's just not true. Now, some of the material possessions we need, they're tools that we're using. That's fine. But, you know, even if you lost everything tomorrow, you can still get it all back and achieve your vision. No problem. We're just not dependent on certain people or certain circumstances or situations to achieve our goals. And that's a little, that's one difficult thing is that I've found kind of difficult is to face life and live out every moment of every day with that, you know, with that confidence and that real faith that it's all going to work out. No problem. Of course, when everything's going well, that's easy to say. No problem. It's all going to work out. When things start going wrong, or maybe some bad things happen or unfortunate things happen, it's hard, much more difficult to say, oh, it's okay. It's, it's all good. It's all going to happen, <laughs> uh, right? It's a little more difficult. So that's why we just, uh, on, on the Pause Your Life daily email, um, there was a quote about... Um, I'm forgetting the quote, actually. Yeah, I forgot the quote. I, I won't be able to quote it for you. But but being being dependent on anything is um, is not good. And and he, and here's the thing: faith. I remember the well. I don't remember the quote. I remember the point. Blind faith is really not good, right? We have to have some understanding in order for our faith to be real. Because blind faith is on the surface, right? Below the surface, you know that it's blind faith and you know that you're not sure if it's really true or good, right? Because you don't know. There's no understanding. So by obtaining some knowledge and understanding, that firms up our faith, right? And that's exactly what this book, Your Invisible Power by Genevieve Behrend, That's exactly what she's trying to do is explain to us the spiritual truths, you know, the natural laws. And when we understand the spiritual truths and the natural laws, then it's easy to have faith, actually. Because we're not having faith in our vision or the goal. What we're having faith in is really the the spiritual laws. And in and ourselves, our inner selves, our spiritual selves. So when we learn the, the spiritual laws, the spiritual truths, we can have faith in those because they always work. And to me, that's true faith is when knowledge and understanding are combined with um, understanding the spiritual laws and and sort of 
learning that and knowing that in your heart. You know, it's not about blind faith. It's not about worshiping some idol or some guru or some worshiping anything for no for just blind faith. That's it's not good. <laughs> I mean, it might it, it it's probably a phase, right? You go through this phase of blind faith and then one day you're like, "Wait a minute." You start questioning, right? And then the then the answers to your questions don't make sense and you're like, "Wait a minute." And then you keep learning more and going further, so so this section to me, this was a great section of the book. I hope I hope it uh, made some sense to you. And um, we'll just take a quick break. One of these days I'm gonna sit down and write a long letter To all the good friends I've known And I'm gonna try To thank them all for the good times together Though so apart we've grown One of these days I'm gonna sit down and write a long letter To all the good friends I've known One of these days One of these days One of these days And it won't be Yes, we love that one, right? One of These Days by Neil Young. And it won't be long. (laughs) It's a great one. Welcome back to The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran. And um, I'm having a little fun this morning. Are you? (laughs) Right? Why not? So go to our website. You can get everything there. TheMysticShow.net, our phone number, our Skype handle, all our previous episodes, um, answers to the mysteries of the universe, um, a <laughs> hundred thousand digits of the, of the, of pi. Yeah. Go, go ahead and search for those things. <laughs> the mystic show.net. All right. Now we're going to read a small passage from our other book, which is 365 Dao daily meditations by Deng Ming Dao. Right? There's an entry for every day, and we're going to cheat a little. Yep, we're going to cheat here. We're Today's passage is okay, but I read the passage for tomorrow, and this is I like this one much better. And tomorrow, we're going to actually have a guest in the studio, so we won't be able to read our passage for tomorrow, tomorrow, so we'll read it today. All right, so this passage is called... Learning. This is called Learning. And again, there's a little, uh, like a poem thing on top, and then there's a few paragraphs below it. And again, from the book 365 Tao, this passage is called Learning. Let's read it. 
Learning is the fountain of youth. No matter how old you are, you mustn't stop growing. Don't think that creativity is only for artists, writers, and musicians. Creativity is an essential element for everyone. Unlike the outer-directed creativity of making art, solving problems, or writing, the creativity that everyone can engage in is learning. As long as we continue to learn, welcome new ideas and ways of doing things, and continually expand our understanding of ourselves and the world around us, then we are engaging in the ultimate creativity of the self. If one looks carefully at those seniors who are ongoing and vital participants in life, one will see that a common habit is continuous learning and interest. These seniors are not the same as they were in their youth. They have found new ways of learning and acting. As we enter each new phase of our lives, the parameters change. If we are 60, we cannot do the same activities that we did as teenagers. Therefore, we need to revamp ourselves according to our situation. That continuing act of creativity keeps us young. Right? That's, uh, that's it. That's called learning. And I love that passage, right? The continuous activity of learning keeps us young. You know, young at heart. Always learning. I think that's one of the one of the worst beliefs in in American society especially I'm sure it's all over the world is that when you're done with school you're done learning you know when you graduate high school or college or whatever that's it you're done learning no more need to learn anything I mean that's crazy right I mean life itself is so robust and awesome in the true sense of the word awesome that there's always so much to learn and so many activities and so many interests right i think it's habit people get stuck in the habit of going to work every day and that's all they do and they think if they have a big pile of money that they'll be happy and so they're working for that pile of money and they don't have any fun they don't learn anything they don't Get involved in interesting things. Try new things, right? I mean, look, I I made a partial list here of things that I've learned in my life. And this is literally, I mean, come on, you can't even write down everything you've learned. It's been so much. But it started a lot with music. Learned a lot about music and playing instruments, right? Learning how to play music. Um, I learned a lot about sports, when you're younger, right? You play sports, you got to learn all the rules, learn how to do well, learn how to practice, everything. 
Uh, I learned a lot about math and science. I was always into math and science, even after school. Of course, I mean, look, I named my studio Fractal Recording, and I named my internet radio station the Fractal Stream, and fractals are a mathematical, geometrical thing, uh, which actually mimics nature in a way. Well, actually, nature is a fractal. Anyway, I'll do a whole show on fractals. Fractals are awesome. Um, I learned about audio engineering, right? That's another technical thing I learned. Um, then I was in a job where I was a manager, so I had to learn management skills. Then I was in sales. I had to learn sales. And then I was in my own business. I had to learn how to network. So I learned networking. How to, uh, first, I learned how to do it wrong. <laughs> then, <laughs> then I learned how to do it right. Um, I learned how to make my own fractals with some software. Um, I learned a lot about metaphysics, quantum physics. And then, of course, I started learning about spirituality and meditation and practicing it as well, not just reading. Um, learned a lot about travel because I've been traveled to a fair amount of places. Um, then I learned a lot about business coaching. I learned how to be a coach, um, how to, you know, and coaching is all about asking good questions. That's it. Period. End of coaching training right there. Uh, yeah, business coaching and also writing, right? I wrote a book, so I had to learn about writing, about all that and, um, and throw chess in there somewhere too, right? I had to learn how to play chess and I used to, I used to play chess online, but I don't do that anymore. Maybe someday, but I don't know. Chess is when you play people who play every day and they just kick your butt and then it's not that much fun. <laughs> and I actually, a funny story. I went to this chess club. Um, this had to be within the last two years. Yeah, within the last two years, right, I went to this chess local chess club where there's people who gather once a week and they play chess and everything. And I actually, uh, they had a little mini tournament. And I and so I entered the tournament. And the first person I played was this young kid. He was, I think he was 10 years old. I'm going to say 10 years old. It could be plus or minus one year or so, or two years, I don't know. Well, one year, right? It's about 10. And... And I played this kid, and we were played. Had to play two games because one game I was white, and the next game I was going to be black. And I played this kid two games, and he really just beat me pretty good. Um, it wasn't really embarrassing the way I lost, but I lost two games to this kid, and I was like, you know, that's when I should have started playing chess when I was younger. They say when you you should start playing chess when you're like you know, six or seven or eight, that's when you need to learn the rules and learn how to play and start playing competitively at least a little bit. Because then as you grow, you learn and it just becomes more ingrained in you. So I started chess way too late. I started in high school, I think senior year actually. <laughs> and I was on the chess team and it was fun. Chess is a fun game. There's a book by uh, Gary Kasparov he uh, he was the world champion from 1985 until 95 or 2000. He was the world champ for a long time. One of the greatest players ever. 
He wrote a book recently, uh, well, last five years maybe, about using chess as an analogy for, for corporate business or just for business in general. And, uh, you know, strategy and tactics and pretty good book. It was pretty interesting. A lot of the concepts are so um, analogous to life. Like chess and life are so analogous. That's one one thing about it. Um, and, and it's hard to explain that, but if you got into it at all and played a little bit, you'd understand that. So learning, right? So what have you learned lately? Think about that for one second. What have you learned lately? I mean, something significant. You know, not not how to download an app on your phone. But what have you learned? Have you been studying anything? Have you been attending classes for anything? Have you been a new hobby or maybe an old hobby you're you're expanding upon or learning more about? Right? The passage says that learning keeps us young. So keep learning, keep young, young at heart. See, it's great if you stay young at heart as you get older, then you have the the attitude and the vibration of being young, but you have the wisdom of being old. So you have the best of both worlds. <laughs> I mean, at least you can try and convince yourself of that, right? <laughs> I mean, everybody still wants to be young again. But anyway, I thank you for listening. I hope some of these concepts were useful, and I hope you can maybe engage some people today. Talk about some of these things. Throw out a question. Ask them what they've learned recently. And as you move through your day, keep smiling. And as always, keep shining.